Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome to another webinar with us at Loaded. Uh, today is the third webinar in our series on how restaurateurs are redefining success post-COVID. So we're going on a bit of a mission to interview some of the best restaurateurs across Australia and New Zealand and find out a little bit about them and their journeys and also how they're changing their business to remain successful and hopefully profitable uh, in this whole new world we're living in. So my name's Richard McLeod. I'm the CEO at Loaded. For those of you who haven't joined us before or aren't customers of Loaded, Loaded is a software program that helps it make it way easier for a bar, restaurant, cafe owner to, to run their hospitality outlet. So today we're joined by PJ and Sam from La Rumba, um, Slow Cuts Group known as people like us so we're looking forward to diving in uh, and hearing their story all right pj sam welcome welcome good to have you along and i'm um, looking forward to hearing a little bit about both of your hospitality journey and um, obviously diving into the Lum la rumbla slow cuts um, success story that um, we've fortunately got right on our doorstep at loaded so um maybe just start with you pj and and trying to understand, um, I know hospitality was, was a big part of your sort of upbringing, but um, it's always interesting to, to kind of dive back in and understand whether it was kind of a conscious choice to get into hospitality or something that you just fell upon because that was uh, also where your parents had um, uh, sort of brought you up to, to love. Well, actually, they did everything in their powers to keep me out of hospitality. Um, we, I grew up in a hotel, I was, I was born into a hotel, lived in a hotel until I was seven and then we moved out to the farm but kept the hotels and mum and dad always had, had a couple of big old sort of country pub hotels on the go at one time and I look back now and I think um, I just thought they were just having the best life, you know, they just had all these friends and had a great time and all, very social life and I always wanted to be part of that but I did uh, follow a, a, a educational path and become a secondary school teacher which I did love and enjoy for a good three years of my life but I got to that stage where I was like this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life and uh, I went back to my parents and said I'm joining the, the team and I'm going to get into hospitality. Interesting that's our, uh, our second uh, hospitality success story that's been an, an educator <laughs> and they uh, Al from Bondi Trat in, in Sydney tried to convince us that he, he was uh, now still teaching children. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> so, so your parents did convince you to, to go down the educational track, and, and from from memory, you were working hospo um, quite a lot through, no, through university. No, not at all. Ah. I, I didn't. I wasn't allowed to work in any of our hotels. Ah, I right. didn't. I, my dad sent me off to a bar course in Dunedin, um, run by the Polytech, to learn how to pour a beer at the age of about. 21. I was a late drinker myself. I didn't start drinking until I was a bit older. Yeah. And uh, they sent me off to do this course, and then he said, once you do this course, you can come home and work in the Waimati Hotel, which I thought was amazing. Um, right, yeah. right. So, um, and then after university, you, you went out teaching? I went, to, I went to London for just on three years yeah. and taught, and didn't work in any bars or anything like that overseas. But I came home, and I knew this is where my passion was. And... Although I didn't come home with the intention of ever opening my own place, I went on a mission then to find some great people to work for and um, gather as much experience as I could in sort of the next five years. And, and what was kind of a, a switch for you if uh, you were late to the 
customer side of hospitality and you'd spent three years in London, was it just that you'd started really enjoying hospitality experiences yourself? But I'm just trying to figure out if you weren't actually working in hospitality, what kind of flicked the switch for you? I think it, I went back to like how much I remember my parents loving what they did as they grew older. Yeah, and right. I wanted to grow older doing something I loved, not something I felt I should be doing at the time. Right, right. And um, But when I look back now, sure they had a great life and they still have a great life. Um, I've sold all the businesses now. But they certainly weren't running, I wouldn't say, a business like what we run it now. They were certainly more a lifestyle. Right, right. So maybe times have changed a little bit. And, Big time. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. So they weren't talking a lot about their concerns with um, getting credit as paid on the twentieth. No, no. Um, I mean, it was always good, yeah. but it wasn't. It wasn't the focus that we probably have now in hospitality. And it's finding that balance now between keeping that fun alive and um, looking after your business. Yeah, cool, cool. And what about you, Sam? Where uh, remind me where you grew up? I grew up in Auckland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I got into shipping. Fourteen. Yeah, right. So I got you know just part time work. Yeah, um, straight into a kitchen as as you kind of early. Yep. Early. Straight in. First job was washing dishes. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd go I'd go around to the restaurant a couple of days after school each week and help with um, yeah just basic stuff and then do the shipping apprenticeship uh, at the Harborside restaurant. Oh right. When I was still at high school and yeah finished that in two thousand. Yeah, the year 2000. Is Harborside the same Harborside that's yeah. still in the ferry building in Auckland yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, right. It's changed hands now. Yeah. Our, our, um, our mate's a good group have got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's the same, same restaurant. Uh, right, so you did um, an apprenticeship and so you were studying and working at... Well, I was, you I was at high school. Right, right. Maybe not study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and so I, was, I, could, I could do my apprenticeship... Um, and yeah, when, when that was finished, I moved down here and to do a season snowboarding in 2001. Right. And uh, ended up working down the road there at Saffron and Pesto. Right, yeah. right. Lucky, okay. lucky to get a job down there. And um, yeah, then what happened? Then we went to we went, went off to work at iCarts uh, Hotel. Yeah. That's when I, that, that was my first bar job. Up until that point, I was solely well, in the kitchens. Exactly, but I kind of got interested in cocktails and wanted wanted to mix it up a bit. Yeah, which right. I think was a good move, you know, because if owning your own business, it's important to know how to do the whole whole range of things and not just be limited to either front or back of house. And what sort of time way. period are we talking working at Harborside and at and at Saffron? Oh, that was like a couple of years. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so basically, I, I left Auckland and came down here. Yeah, and. Uh, happened to move into Arrowtown, it was, a, it was the only house available right. in the Queenstown Lakes region. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Got the bug and didn't leave, like didn't so many people yeah, do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And so, you're not, like, while it's useful, it's not super common, right, to, to jump, um, particularly probably when you're working in um, establishments like that, that um, have pretty strong leadership in the, um, in the kitchen, it's not that that standard yeah. to jump and um, you know, start learning young. in the front of house? I was just young and curious, you know. Yeah. Curious about girls out the front. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinated by cocktails and, and girls. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, and then there was actually a cocktail competition back at, um, uh, 
at, at where was that? That was at the, what was the name of the bar? The Spire Hotel, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Which is now it's still the Spire, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So the, they organised this cultural competition and um, uh, basically went for sort of five or six weeks, and it was like an elimination thing. So there was like twelve, I think, people that started. And, yeah. You know, each week someone got eliminated, or two people got eliminated, and yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be able to. Um, to win that competition, yeah, and one of the prizes was uh, a trip to America, a holiday. But I ended up staying on. I went to New York and, and uh, worked over there. Right. So you used. I used that. Used yeah, the uh, the winnings. Yeah. Because no doubt at that age you weren't saving anything in Queenstown. No. Uh, working in Holsbo. No, no, no. <laughs> With those Larry years, uh, um, anything to go by. Yeah. So, right. So you made quite a dramatic move to New York then. Yeah. And um, was again fortunate enough to find work in a, in a cocktail bar over there, and um, yeah, moved back to New Zealand, uh, back to Auckland. PJ and I met in 2000 around that time that, that I was winning that competition. Oh right, so pre New York. PJ actually helped me um, come up with the final winning cocktail. That's right, how I was right, right. myself. Yeah, yeah. Behind every good man. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, that, that was a. So, and what sort of time period did you did you spend in New York? Uh, I was just under a year. Yeah. Gotcha. And what sort of kind of places? It was just the one. Yeah. 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 A, a big. It was a little cocktail bar in, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Yeah. Right. It was fun. Yeah. It was great. That Different was... from working in New Zealand. Oh, totally. Yeah. That was right before the uh, GFC of two thousand and seven. Oh, right. So there was quite a lot of money going around. Yeah. Lots of lots of. Tips, yeah. And at that time, Flight of the Concords was um, blowing up too. Right. Know? And right. like New Zealanders were like super popular. So <laughs> being a New Zealander behind the bar was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. 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 I just thought Flight of the Concords was the best thing ever. And what sort of struck you about the difference in the way Americans uh, well, you didn't, did their I, hospitality? Well, you, don't, you don't get paid, right? Yeah. For number one. <laughs> yeah. It's all tips. Yeah. Um, very cash orientated. Uh, no, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd hate to think um, what would happen to this place if we just used cash the way that they. It's all free cash. pouring, isn't it? No yeah, stock taking. Low, yeah, yeah, real loose. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've, I mean, you know, thinking of what what we were going through then and, and now, like the difference is night and day with the way that we monitor and. The systems and process yeah, that you have in place. Yeah, yeah. Controlling the stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. often you'll associate actually America with uh, with having that level of system and process and professionalism. But um, I think no matter where you go in the world, there's a massive degree from one end where it's really highly systemized and processed at the mm. McDonald's end to yeah. Larry and Loose. Yeah. Yeah. And hospitality tends to have everything in between. And yeah. we're all trying to find that happy equilibrium. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you guys have kind of met prior to. Yeah, we did. We met at the Blue Door in Aratang, Aratang. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just moved back from London then and got a job working at the Blue Door. My parents were like, "Okay, go find yourself right. a little bar job for the summer." I couldn't keep you away from hospital no, anymore. No, no. They said go work for somebody, and there was a job going at the Blue Door, and I thought that's fantastic. I'll take that. Mm, awesome. But oh. then Sam shoots off to. No, so he was already working in iCarts then. Okay. Um, yeah, he'd finished at Saffron down there. And then from Blue Door I went and uh, was part of the early days of Bermuda for the good group. Yep. Then went to Auckland and did what's now Ponsby Road Bistro. Right. It was um, 
Magnum. Magnum for Mark Warbank. Right. And that was fantastic. Went up there as the bar manager, set up the bar for them up there, then came back and did Botswana Butchery. Okay. So um, front of house manager and startup manager there, and that's when Sam went to New York. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So you were going through a kind of period of getting just stuck into openings. Totally. I just wanted to do openings, see where the money, how, how you spent the money, where the money was going. I went from the transition of um, cocktail bartender to front of house manager over a period of about four years, working between the two islands. And um, that, that's when I decided on my goal then that I was on a mission to have my own places. Ah, right. So, so the openings, being involved in the openings, openings really was... Huge for me. Part of your... Was it... Did you get involved in places that were opening because you were thinking, I want to learn about it for my own restaurant, or just that being involved with those openings kind of got you quite excited totally. about doing your own and thing? I, I went on a mission to work for, at the time, and still very much now, who I thought the best operators in New Zealand were, yeah. who I could um, really gather information from, who were going to be really open about sharing the information, yeah. from the wiring to fit out, to writing wineless cocktail lists, to buying uniforms, to doing all the hiring um, gathering as many like pieces of paper and information and putting together my own booklets as I could. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's just something I'm always genuinely interested in because it never seemed to, when I was involved with openings, they didn't ever seem to get easier because it just seemed to always be so much to be done. But did you find you kind of got better and better at it or did they get easier or was it always the same high level of... Um, even till up until last year when we opened Slow Cuts, yeah. it's still never easy. When we did the transition from one small space into another space, right next door to each other, a 20, 20 foot yeah. distance. You're thinking this is about as straightforward as it can get. Couldn't get any easier. We still went over budget, over time, over stress. Yeah. But there is just always so many things that you think you have... Sort of, but you don't when you're dealing with people and the human element. Yeah, maybe you'd never go through with it if, you, <laughs> yeah. if your brain could comprehend exactly, exactly what you're going to get through. We do get excited about it again. Even a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about the next place. Yeah, right. It does die heard down. Heard it here first, folks. Heard it here yeah. first, yeah. Um, you do, you, you, there is a certain amount of adrenaline and then when you get set up and you forget how busy opening something is and then the next six months you're just going, what am I doing? And then you get comfortable again and... Same thing, the better your systems are, the easier it is to open that next place. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so, um, at what point, and I think you guys went overseas together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, So you were back in town here for a while and then travelled overseas together? 2009. Back in Auckland. Yeah, we spent quite a bit of time between here and Auckland. Right. You know, since 2001 when I originally came down. Yeah. Um, and we've been together 15 years right. yeah. and done a lot of travelling in amongst yeah. that time. So we were living in Spain for two years Yeah. and when we when it was time to come back to New Zealand we were like, right, what are we going to do? Yeah. And did you work hospo in Spain? Yeah, tourism, hospitality stuff. Right. It was like a kind of a bit of a hiatus from, from the... From high-stress jobs. Yeah. 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 It was just like a nice, you know, two-year two Mediterranean vocation sort of... Right. I had this thing in my head that I really wanted to work in hospitality overseas before I did my own place. Yeah. I really wanted to see what I could learn about um, uh, you know, European style culture yeah. in, in restaurants and bars. And I think that had a big influence on here. And it was just some of the real basic things like the late night dining and the late night culture. And yeah. how as New Zealand as a nation, we're quite good at closing the doors at 8.30, 9 o'clock. And, and um, it didn't want things to sort of be 
it didn't want to go down that path. We wanted to do something quite alternative. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I definitely picked up on so that. how you could get a feel for a sort of yeah. Yeah. migratory we, dining as opposed to yeah. this well, enough. Let, let's go back to Arrowtown and, and open the late night sort of cocktail tapas type bar. You know, right. We've just been in Spain and right. So you're pretty clear on that actually while you're in Spain. We well, want to yeah. get home, find the spot, yeah. and get yeah. it open. Well, we had to yeah. do something. Was yeah. Like, it was quite a scary part of our lives. We're like. Yeah. Who do we want to work for next, or we want to do it for ourselves? Right. So you arrive back in New Zealand and just start. Well, arrive back in Arrowtown, really, which limits the number of locations quite significantly. Yeah, I know. And we wanted to buy. uh, We tried. We approached a couple of other businesses that were already existing here to to buy the to buy the business, and no one wanted to sell. No, but we did approach one of the landlords in town about would he know if this particular one particular business was coming on the market. And he said, no, it won't be, but I've got something in mind for you. And it just happened to be the building of the development we're in now. Right, right. But this, um, uh, I mean, this spot hadn't sort of raced off the books, had it? People were nervous. Well, in in this location in general, because it was kind of... Oh, yeah, totally. Almost in a bunker at that that time and not much happening at this end of the street. No. Where people thought we were... Yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I was going to say brave, but yeah. um, it wasn't until it was a couple of years of being open that they actually said that uh, that they thought we were crazy. Yeah, yeah. right. People actually said they came to tell us to the door, like as we were building, don't do it. But we were so excited and enthusiastic, they didn't want to like dampen our spirits. Yeah. Left so, you alone. Yeah. Thank God they didn't. Yeah. Um, and so many people said this will never work because there's no cell phone reception in here and we can't have business meetings. Right. And I was just thinking, oh my goodness, that's everything I wouldn't want to be happening in here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a dream though, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. no cell phone. Yeah. Like yeah, it's not great for software support, but <laughs> for everything else in terms of social well, contacting it's babysitters, perfect. I've heard. That's a right, problem, yeah. right. Even better. Um, so take me back to those kind of. You'd made the decision, you'd found the location. Take me back to the kind of conversations you were having between yourselves on, um, you know, what you wanted La Rumbler to be and what you wanted to kind of achieve here. We wanted La Rumbler to be a place with a big bar that served food. Yeah. And we said to people, we're not sure if we're opening a big bar that serves food or a restaurant with a big bar in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We'll just let it see. And we never put any kind of condition on what it was. Um, we had it pretty clear in our minds, even though we kind of played off the cards that we didn't really have it that clear in our minds. Um, about the menu and the style, and a lot of people said, oh, it won't work because you can't get a steak and you can't get a duck dish and you can't get a pork dish, you know. Well, it wasn't a la carte. It, it was wasn't a la carte, yeah. Really and I mean, there's going to be too much chilli in your food and things like that. And the lights are a bit dim and the music's a bit loud and cocktail bar is a bit noisy but yeah. that's kind of what we'd come from from the last two years and mm-hmm. to see so many people having such a good time at the table I felt was a little bit different than what we were used to going out to in New Zealand for dinner it was always quite a bit more of a formal occasion and this is 10 years ago so things have changed a lot yeah um, people didn't have smartphones at tables and things like that then and, and it sort of was getting dressed up and going out whereas we wanted this to be in that sort of fun dining part of the market yeah and, and somewhere that you went two or three times a month, you didn't have to go just save up and go once a month, or once a year, or like once every six months. Yeah, right. And, and was it, was it, were you pretty defined that kind of Sam, you were going to run the food, and PJ, you were going to run the front of house? Like, I kind of. Yeah, because I'd actually thought, like, prior to this discussion, that your career was pretty much food focused, Sam. But well, 
I wasn't. I hadn't worked as a chef um, for maybe six years. Yeah, before, right. So that's, before we opened the Rumbler. Yeah. Like it wasn't even like two weeks prior to opening, we didn't have a, a head chef. We were still yeah. advertising. So I was like, well, I'll just do it. Right. Right. <laughs> Right, because I've, I've been working as like your front of house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. something of a surprise. Um, yeah. So, and you did just take on that head chef role. Just did it. Yeah. yeah. Just kept the real simple. So, talk to me about that first kind of three months. Was it um, was it pretty full on? One stepping back into the to the kitchen, and two in your own in your own um, venue. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely scary. You know? Yeah. But, um, we just kind of winged it. Yeah. We really did wing it. We really did. For a while, we did. And then Sam would finish in the kitchen at 10 o'clock at night, and he'd come out, go home, have a shower, and come back down and make cocktails with me till 2 in the morning. Right. And because yeah. we're licensed till 2, for the first year, we said every night will be open till 2 in the morning. Right. Because there will be curious people, even though yeah. the street of Aratan will just have no one on it, we're like, someone will come in tonight. And nearly every night for a year, the yeah. first year, someone came in just to see what was going on. And Sam would leave the bar and you'd go to the kitchen and you'd cook them up something or make them ceviche at one in the morning and yeah, right. just we did our that was our marketing we didn't ever do any marketing we just sort of did that yeah stayed we, open stayed we open have, we still don't really have a sign or it wasn't until james convinced us about three years ago to get a website that we finally <laughs> got a website yeah our yeah. friend james o'connell yeah yeah um and yeah we just basically wanted to be like a discoverable place, yeah, you know, sure. Off the beaten track, and I think that did work quite well. Like people did like the fact that we weren't on the main street, and we were. I feel like the Aratowners really enjoyed having something to show their friends that they wouldn't find if they just came to Aratown for the day. Yeah, right. It became like a locals thing, and yeah, the locals took to us really well. Like having been to Europe, a lot of people that live in Aratown are away for six months of the year, living in Europe or a couple of months, and. I think they enjoyed that what we were trying to do. Yeah, and what you, the product you brought to town. But yeah. I mean, being hidden away, you, you do have to deliver, right? Like yes. um, you're yeah. you're basically saying that you were solely reliant on on word of mouth and and people bringing yeah. and telling their friends. And so your your product was obviously obviously we, we delivering. Good, it was right? good value. Yeah, you know, we, we we always had always had quite high staff costs and food costs. Yeah, but that's kind of offset because. We're not on the main street, and we're not paying huge yeah. amounts of rent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we are. It's all right. We'll make sure the landlords don't watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So but it was different to Queenstown. It wasn't that we didn't have that high foot traffic, so yeah. we didn't have to be open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. Yeah. We've generally been for the first year. We kind of toyed with lunch a little bit, but we're a six six night a week operation, and we're quite clear about that. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, from my memory, it was pretty successful right off the bat. Do you remember it the same way, or does it feel much more like a bit of a grind to? Oh, there was a few quiet weeks there when we first opened. And yeah, I do remember feeling like what what we got ourselves into. Right. Yeah. Occasions. But for the most part, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good out of yeah. the blocks. Yeah. yeah. And then. At what because certainly after six months, twelve months, you know, it was hard to get a table. Um, it was, uh, you know, anyone that was recommending somewhere to friends from out of town, it was certainly uh, La Rumbler was going to be right up there in their recommendations. And but I, I know you guys were working super hard, and you, you kind of had a feeling like, well, this is great, and we got 
a busy restaurant and a busy bar every night, but yeah. we're working hard and not making that much money or yeah. feeling like you're chasing your tails. Was there sort of a bit of a light bulb moment for you when you thought, far out, something's got to, sure, we've got all these customers and people are happy, but I think it's got to work for us from, as well? From when we went from doing that sort of 70, 80 hours a week ourselves and we are like, we're going to explode any minute now, and we started bringing on staff members and our staff costs started to go up because we weren't doing everything and then we were like why is none of this money sticking yeah where is it all going yeah. what is going on and that was like that that probably got really got quite hard on us because yeah. it was like who of the two of us isn't pulling their weight enough what what's kind of blame each other because you're not working for somebody and you don't have that sort of financial knowledge of how a business works because you're two creatives and right. you're in the industry because you love the industry and you're like, how can you be so busy and yet really not have a lot at the end of the week? Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. the kitchen was blaming front of house. Yeah, and, house and that was, was a growth thing. It was yeah. like, you know, we've had such a sweet first year. Yeah. Um, and then, well, first couple of years really. And then we started looking at doing uh, what is now slow cuts. And we were like, well, we really need to put some money in the bank before we open another restaurant. Right. And then we started looking at going, well, where is all our money going? Yeah. And then yeah. we teamed up with the restaurant, we became uh, members with, of the Restaurant Association. Yeah. And I watched a webinar with James right. from Hospitality Company. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this guy is awesome. <laughs> this is who we need. Yeah. And I yeah. told PJ and we... Um, so the timing was yeah. kind of like... Was, yes. There was something in front of you that was yeah. like, okay, that is problems we're trying to solve. Yeah. And yeah. We, in this time, we'd actually changed accountants a couple of times. We were looking for some help. Yeah. But we didn't really know where to find it. Yeah. And we thought there's got to be an easier way. And bits of paper everywhere. I'd have a pile of invoices at the end of the month and I'd put them on piles on the ground and be like, urgent, wine suppliers, food suppliers. And it was just, it was chaos. I'd have bits of paper everywhere. Yeah. Rostering was on a bit of paper. Yeah. Everything was on a bit of paper. Yeah, right. And it's, I mean, it's just not an uncommon story, right? And But that... That stress, was it starting to kill your creativity a little bit or? Yes, because it was the grind. It was yeah. just the daily grind. Just yeah. get open, get through it. Um, we probably made some bad hires. I don't like to think we hired anyone bad, but we probably made some bad decisions. We were just hiring hands as opposed to hiring the right people for the business. Sure, um, which sort of created more work rather than totally. less. Totally, yeah. and, and we have a, an amazing staff retention out here now. We really always have had, but... Some of those now you're retaining the people you really want. Really want, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Kind of, I mean, you describe yourself as creators. If I was to say as analytical, I kind of imagine the creative hospitality owner in a line graph after opening. Everything's wonderful. Yeah. The reviews are wonderful. Yeah. People are just giving you this positive feedback. This is when it all goes well, obviously. Yeah. And you you ride that wave and that adrenaline that you talked about, and then sort of a couple you get a couple of body blows or there's one month bills become hard to pay and then there's stress added and then you yeah. make a bad hire yeah. and then yeah. someone that you hired makes a bad hire and then suddenly the, the oh. line graph is starting to, to drop and then suddenly you find actually this thing's, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay payroll or I don't know if we, I'm not saying this happened to you, but these are the things you see yeah. and then all the creativity gets kind of mm. sucked out of the business through stress. So It's really easy when you're going up and it's yeah. really easy um, to be having a good time and be social and you know, look at us and we're having so much fun and it really sucks when reality hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people don't pull out of that nosedive though. So yeah. you, you watch a webinar with a guy who obviously 
talks to you and and hits kind of some of the head problems on the head and then and then you obviously reached out to James, did you, to yes. start working with him? Yes. And what was some of the kind of enlightenment or uh, kick in the ass or <laughs> how would you describe it? I don't know how you've managed to stay in business this long. Right. <laughs> like, right. Oh my goodness, it's so yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, it was just perfect though because we, you know, we still get coached from James now. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've never talked about anything creative. We haven't talked about like food ideas or wine or any anything to do with service. Yeah. So it's all like numbers, back of house business. Right. Things like that, which was definitely the area that we were neglecting or yeah. we didn't have a lot of experience ourselves with that. Yeah, and probably sensibly, he's looked at your business and gone, "That's not where they need the yeah. challenge, right? These yeah. these guys need challenge and." I think too the financial and system and process into their business. When you're your own business owner and you don't have anyone to kind of come in and give you a kick in the pants and say, "Hey, get this done," yeah. it's very easy to not do those things you don't know about yeah. or those things you find hard. Yeah. And we found systemization very hard and getting out of our heads into our team members, what's in our heads, and sharing that knowledge is quite hard. And I think to hospitality, it's quite a closed. Um, industry, we don't kind of like sharing how we succeed. Yeah. It's kind of like, I've worked really hard to succeed and I'm not going to tell anyone else how to do that. Yeah, right. Traditional, traditional yeah. sort of yeah. thought. And yeah. I'm not going to share my numbers with anyone because it's so cutthroat. Um, and if I tell my staff, they might tell the restaurant down the road what we're doing. And, yeah, you know, they and might I'm, expect a pay rise. Or yeah, those might, yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And um, that's, that was a really big turning point for us. Was there a hit to your ego and someone telling you, Hey, here's this really successful restaurant, but I'm telling you, how yes. the hell are you still in business? Yes. Yeah. 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 I yeah. remember a couple of phone calls after a couple of Skypes. They were then just being like, we should just sell everything. <laughs> just, <laughs> I might go back teaching. I don't know what you're going to do. But <laughs> yeah. But then obviously loaded reports has been a huge part of it, you know, because that was one of the things you said, get some... Operating systems. systems in place. Get yourself something that already exists that yeah. other people are using that are successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, and that people that know the industry have mm. created. Mm. I think that was huge for us, mm. trusting um, something that we could see working. Yeah, and I think that's probably also the difference. You know, we were talking pre GFC and things being loose and leery. I yeah. think too, when you're really busy, you want something you can trust yeah. straight away. You don't want to be messing around going, oh, do I like this one? Do I not like this one? Do I know much about this? And we're very lucky, like you said, like we're on each other's doorsteps down here, so we could just ring, yeah. <laughs> ring for help, and those kind of things made a big difference. Um, so, I mean, it's not an instant process, though, right? Going from being creative people with a busy restaurant to, but not the, not the financial success that you would have expected with how busy you were to kind of turning that corner. How, you know, how long did it take before you started seeing? like results that you kind of were like um well once you start stock taking properly and and costing dishes correctly and and uh just being savvy business people it happens pretty quickly you know so i think yeah. the lead up to it it took quite a bit of time it probably took a good few months to get from our start of our coaching to the fact that we okay we, we've actually got the brain power to put in these systems yeah these exist yeah this is what we need to be working on and then I would say another good six months to really implement some of those systems 
to start getting the wins along the yeah, way. And yeah, and then to get your your team feeding into them too, because all of a sudden you change as a, as a person and a business person from being loose and fun every night and every day to hey, we've actually got to get accountable now. Yeah. And and that's not everybody's um, not why a lot of people get into hospitality, yeah, you yeah, know. So, yeah, so then that does actually cause some disruption in your teams. Yeah. You have to then get the people on board that really want to get involved in the systems, and you know you do lose a good few creative hospitality maybe geniuses along the way because they've been in the game too long to want to change yeah yeah and that's just never going to be their bag as being told that hey you said you'd get this done why is it not done yeah and that's the thing a few people we did um have helping us start up these things have since left and that's fine um you just have to find the next person to train and get on board and yeah, and, and then, then it's I imagine if, like some of this team that I know have been here so long, that they were those that have sort of embraced it at an early stage and totally. are really now the engine house of, of kind of your operation, totally. right? They know more about them now than we do. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> we're ringing them saying, how do we do this? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it's like, to look back on, that's quite a remarkable change, right? Like totally. when you're, I mean, yes, you're kind of elevating yourselves, but ultimately you're still in the thick of it day to day to look back and go, well, that is a huge difference that we've got people now that have the skills, the knowledge that exceeds what what we can do in terms of the systems and day-to-day operations. I love it when they tell us they've just updated something or they've put in a new layer to something and they don't have to come to us and ask us about it and they can go straight to a developer or straight to the company and they're like we need this to be better for our day-to-day operations and they now take the initiative and do these things yeah it's pretty it's cool a, it's really a huge difference isn't it's it? huge yeah so um i know you went and opened slow cuts in a in a smaller venue but maybe we we kind of gloss over that and go to um when you opened slow cuts in the in the bigger premises for those um of you on the line at the, the the guys did a, a small footprint and that was very successful in terms of a casual and takeaway eatery and then I almost don't know how to describe slow cuts now, it's, it's half kind of, uh, I get a great pub feel when I go in there, I get a, a great kind of um, casual eatery um, and you know there's people are milling about for takeaways and things as well, it's, yeah. it's just got a great kind of all day anything feel to it. Yeah. But it's, it's big right and it, was, and it was busy off the cuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, it used to be the Arrowtown Brew Company. Right. And then it was a gift store. Yeah. Um, for a couple of years and then it sat empty for a while. But I mean, it was, it's still got like the walk and chiller we, we were able to, 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 to use. Reuse, yeah. yeah. There, was, there was some original nuts and bolts um, from the original uh, brewery that was in there. Um, that meant that it wasn't a super expensive fit out. Yeah, right. It was still expensive. We still yeah. blew the budget. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it had that history of, of being a hospitality. But we did go from twenty-five seats to one hundred and ten seats. Yeah, and it feels like a community. It feels like the community centre. You know, you yeah. get such a good cross section of age groups and people, and yeah, mm. yeah. And we've got the brewery in there as well. So yeah, we reinstated a brewery in there. So, I mean, I I just went in there early doors when you were open and. You know, the bar was heaving, the restaurant was heaving, there was lines out the door, there was people waiting for takeaways, the phones were off the hook. And I was like, you know, almost crossing my fingers for you <laughs> yeah. guys. Um, like, how did, you, how did you handle that? And what would have been the difference if you had gone into that without kind of having pre-done the system and process or the, the work to change your culture a bit, do you think? Uh, well, I don't think we would have done it. 
you know what we I wouldn't mean? have been we brave enough. We wouldn't right. have had the confidence to, no. to do it. Like, right. I don't think. And Maybe I don't, we would have, but yeah. I think a lot of our staff would have just left in that first month as well. Right. But they knew the systems and they knew no matter how busy or pear-shaped it feels like it might be getting, just calm down and think back to what we can do. Yeah. You know, we have, we have really good systems and at the end of the day we might be exhausted, but we can just go home and be exhausted. We don't have to think about operationally tomorrow what we have to do to fix things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just literally getting through those times and, yeah. and, and making People the managing. small small tweaks on the fly to totally to really deliver yeah 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 right and so and how did your guys i'm interested how your kind of roles have changed and evolved um as the group's growing because you the, the guys also now have a, a um a cafe next door um and I'm, I'm just interested in now as you guys are overseeing this group like how your roles and things have evolved and changed um well, I mean, we, I still do between 20 and 30 hours a week, like, on the tools, you know, yeah. cook, whether it's cooking or out the front, you know, running food, making cocktails, whatever needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the, the sweet spot for me, for my hours. Yeah. Um, and yeah, people... I'm people about 20 hours on the floor a week. I might be a barback for the night. Um, I might be a host. I could be um, running coffees in the morning. Um, and, and it feels like a great place to be. We also have taken on um, three of our staff are now shareholders in the business, so they've got a bit of skin in the game, and that's wow. made a really um, big difference to us is to our accountability to the business and how we make decisions and how we operate because we do have three other shareholders, three other shareholders, yeah. and for the rest of our staff um, and our teams, they can see a path to growth in this company. You don't just have to be a waiter or a waitress or a a line chef, you can actually um, work your way up, um, go through the ranks, take on more responsibilities and come out with something at the end of the day. Yeah, right, right. That's that's pretty amazing. And those guys, um, you know, presumably just started on the floor in the kitchen for you. Totally. And, and, um, yeah. and embraced the kind of culture change that you made and the, um, the kind of business savvy that you were bringing, the technology you were totally. embracing. And they were the ones and that embraced the change probably the quickest right. and saw a real impact on what we were trying to do. And it got into hospitality as a career, not just as a, as a job. Yeah. You yeah. know? Right. Right. So just to change pace a little then, um, I mean, 2020 has been the weirdest year on record and particularly um, if you're in a tourist town uh, running a hospitality group. So, has, in terms of how you're operating the business, I mean, obviously, other than physically having to make change to meet the laws or the guidelines, is there things that you've really made change in the business, or is it still just your natural progression like you were before, of just trying to improve where you see problems, or, you know, is there yeah. kind of bigger things you've done that have... Um, well, I mean, we've obviously cut back on some on spending and things like that, just trying to be a little bit more smart, you know? Uh, yeah, a little maybe. conservative and yeah. yeah. I think uh, when we came back, sort of for that 101 days that we had, sort of where we were just, everything was quite rosy. Yeah. Um, we definitely went- 101 days. 101 it's, days. It's quite a good phrase, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we 
upped our hours a lot in the business mm. and I think we did that to show some leadership within our teams yeah um, we had to be strong we have to be we had to be super hands-on again we had to really see if there was just any wastage or places we could really tighten up on yeah right out the front too I felt that it gave um, some security to our guests to see us um, and be back in there. You know, they've always supported Sam and I and now they support our teams. Yeah. But um, everyone was a bit cautious about where they were spending their money and um, we believed that if we were there on the front line, we could talk to them about their life and their business and offer support as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while things are growing, you guys still remain incredibly close to the, the team and the customer, right? Yeah, big like, time. Yeah. Um, you, haven't, you haven't moved far at all. You've, you've kind of created a... I'm guessing a, a, a lifestyle that you enjoy more and, yeah. a, and a business that gives you a bit more of a fear of return for all the hard work that you've put in, but yeah. you still remain really close to that team and that customer. Yeah, yeah, and we live in such a supportive small town, you know, and we live in a very social town and people like to see people working hard and, and doing well here. And um, yeah, I just, I feel that COVID has actually um, made us better business people. Um, Definitely made us, yeah. Yeah, right, and and probably also realised actually how much experience and skill you've gained from the not not just the hard hospitality work because just about everybody in hospitality is doing the hard hospitality yeah. work, right? But the hard work and forcing yourself to get out of all that urgent yes. day to day to really improve your business. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone says, oh, you gotta work on your business, not in it, right? But it's yeah. easy to say, totally. and it's a real grind to do, and it's a real yeah. discipline to pull yourself out, because yeah. it's so easy to just answer the phones, shoot the instructions, turn up for your next shift, and feel like, hey, I'm working hard, everything should, should be going well for me. That couple of weeks that we had off when we were all, uh, all shut down, it was actually quite good to um, have some creative time again and we came back and we were like right we're gonna um, really work on our music and our functions and um, have some really good events coming up for the summer and do some things that we initially thought we would do in that very first year of La Rumbler but you just get busier and busier and those kind of fun things go yeah. to the side whereas we've had a lot of um, more time to implement those and mm. yeah that's really just it's been great fun yeah right awesome and I mean finally is there are there things that you think have changed forever in the hospitality game? Do you, I mean, we've got... Um, because of COVID? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of uh, um, people on the line from, you know, parts of Victoria and Australia where they're still in lockdown and, yeah. um, you know, everywhere in the world, is, it, it, it's slightly different. But I guess in New Zealand, we've, we've been as lucky as you can be in terms of sort of experiencing post-COVID life as well. Do you... Do you think there's permanent change or do you think people are, we just go back to kind of pretty normal pretty quick? Um, I mean, hopefully we can go back to pretty normal pretty quick, you know? I don't know. I, I feel know. like as far as being out the front, I feel like people are more appreciative now than they've ever been about being able to go out yeah. and have their freedom. Yeah. And um, I, I feel that people have become less demanding as diners um, and more appreciative and more understanding of restrictions. Um, I feel like it's taken, um, it's been a little bit of a wake up call as to how lucky we've actually got it. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, yeah. And being able to just go out and enjoy a meal with your friends and yes. having someone nice that's trying hard to look after you yeah. is, is kind of good enough. And I do feel like our teams are super appreciative of still having work. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like there's been a, 
it felt like everything was going so fast yeah you know and you're always busy and even though we were under control there was always growth and you're always needing more things and i think covid's been a reality check of just calm down yeah just look at what you've got be stronger in what you've got yeah right yeah okay and we're just finally i know i said just finally before but <laughs> like i know just i'm interested on a week-to-week basis at the moment kind of how like how you guys split your time is it um you know are you spending 80 percent of your time focused on kind of customers and revenue generating things and 10 percent of your time on how labor and cost of goods looks or how, how does your sort of time split look um Oh, you've told us that you spend sort of 20 to 30 hours a week on shift with the other sort of 15 to 20 hours or some of that time though I would put into marketing as yeah. well the time that we work on the floor and yeah. things like that yeah. um, I think now that like we have great systems like to be fair a load of reports being a massive part of them you don't have to spend that time that much time the, the numbers are the there the, you know if yeah. you've got it well programmed and you've got it if you've got your team working for you on those things it limits how much brain time you have to spend on that you can mm. just pick out the bits that you need to put into your reports yeah. report to your teams that bit kind of feels like tick easy done yeah um and it yeah yeah i mean it's hard to like there's no real one structure you know yeah. week in week out you go you know, where you feel fluid. you need to yeah we're exactly. probably doing more with our marketing at the moment and more with our website updating and things like that, a- that yeah. hr has been a big thing yeah. that we're trying to um, implement a new system at the moment with um HR. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there's always something new always to focus something. on. Yeah, there is. And then finally, finally, finally. Um, I mean, how, how's your like oh, the performance of the business has improved, but how's your kind of day to day life changed from when you were working? I mean, it's obvious if you're working eighty hours a week and you're not working eighty hours yeah. a month that you have time. But like, how does your general weeks look from a kind of lifestyle perspective? A lot Com- healthier. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, PJ's, you know, you got your horse that she rides daily most days. And, yeah, you know, I gets ride horses and compete all summer, competitions all around the country, and compete a few different horses, and I've been lucky enough to keep that going right through the yeah. whole time we've, we've built our restaurants, whereas it used to be I'd do it at crazy hours of the day, like between 6 and 7 in the morning, right. things like that, whereas now that's a little bit more I can do that at my own time of the day. Um, we try not to do too much on Mondays when the Rumble is closed on Mondays yeah. and Slow Cuts is open and we sort of don't do too much on Mondays which is nice and yeah, yeah. Nights, nights that we're not working now are definitely our nights again and we don't sit at home stressing yeah. about what's going on. Yeah right so that's an interesting point isn't it when you're not here you're not necessarily worried as all hell but yeah <laughs> yeah you're going to, the place is going to be burned down. You definitely are that first six months after yeah. then opening something, or the, yeah. you know, but then, you know, you do calm down and yeah, it's good. It's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while to teach yourself not to, not totally. to worry. Totally. And it's a trust in your team, well. isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Guys, that is the final final. So thanks so much. Thank um, a few surprises in there. So Sam, who hadn't worked in a kitchen for six years, was <laughs> the head chef and nailed it at, um, uh, at La Rumbler. I, so. I wouldn't say nailed it straight away, but I mean, there are a few weird well, things on that menu. Well, I was a bit stressed about him cooking because often when we eat at home, like the vegetables come like 10 minutes after the meat. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? <laughs> well, the same here, it comes out when it's ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Like he designed the menu things. to suit his skill set. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. guys. That was um, great fun and, and um, 
I'm trusting everyone online will have loved it. So thanks so much to all of you out there. Um, we are back on in a couple of weeks' time with um, Lucy Whelan, the head franchisor and founder at Lone Star. So that'll be a great one to, to jump on in a couple of weeks' time. See you all then. Cheers.